Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Maddie Isaac. Maddie is a dear friend of mine, mental health nurse and all-round incredible person. Maddie joins me today on what I can only describe as a very special episode to discuss her experience of an eating disorder and her current challenges in accessing support and navigating recovery. Hello Maddie. Hi. (laughs) I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I think... I'm so excited to chat to such a good friend. I know. We're literally based. We're we're literally on FaceTime. Like yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, no offense to everybody that I've done podcasts with. It's they've all been amazing, but it's been a long time since I've done one with like I think Aidan and Becca were like the and Katie were the first in like the first four episodes. Yeah. So, so it's been a while it's, since. It's nice to be back. Yeah. Exciting. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think I feel like before we start. Um, we should explain how we met because I think it's quite a unique experience. I was, and I, um, I can't think what I was doing the other day. I was doing something and I said, you came up in conversation and I was like, oh yeah, I met my friend Maddie. Uh, oh, I was talking about going to Reading. Oh, and yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going, my friend Maddie's going as well. And they're like, oh, how do you know Maddie? And I was like, well, both used to be absolutely obsessed with Ollie <laughs> Oh my god! Um, Twitter, yeah, it was Twitter, Twitter, wasn't it? Yeah, we followed each other on Twitter. You're you were um, Hannah underscore Mers, and I I was Maddie Ollie Mers. (laughs) Yes. Oh my god! Oh, what a time! But now look, it's like ten years later. Look at us now. Um, Yeah. What? Fifteen? Yeah. Fourteen or like that's about right. We were in like year ten. Or year nine? God, I can't remember. I think we're in year. I can't nine. remember. We we were young. Yeah, we were... I think, I think maybe we were. I feel like oh, we were had... in year nine, and I because I feel like we I might think have it was year spoken nine. about our GCSE choices together, like yeah, and I had. <laughs> When I was my sixth form, um, not sixth form, my leavers hoodie for year nine. Oh yeah, because you would go, like you, you were like weird. You would have like middle school, like yeah. America, and then yeah, and my yeah, hoodie I said, remember your transmers on it. Oh my god, we were such losers. <laughs> And they they printed it wrong. They put Nicholas Mers on it, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, it's tragic enough that you got Nicholas Mers," and they printed it wrong. Oh, oh that's so, so funny. Um, but yeah, now look, so, it's been a long yeah, time. Exactly. Ollie Mers has created this friendship. He actually has. Podcast, like, look what you've made. Shout out to um, um, shout out to Ollie. Yeah, and then Demi came along. Demi, and then, who else did we like? Who? JLS. JLS, yeah. Um, they were like Ollie and ones. Demi were the definite two. Yeah, they were our favourites. Like yeah, they, yeah. And then when they they did a song together and we it was literally like the best. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the best thing ever. Oh my god, I remember like I remember seeing the picture of them together. I honestly think I put that as my profile picture. Yeah, I think it, you know on Twitter you used to be able to have like a background on your profile. It was, that was, yeah, that picture of them two was definitely mine. And probably on my laptop as well. <laughs> yeah. Dreams really do come true. Oh, wow. What a time. Oh, cute. Time. I love that for us, though. I actually was looking yesterday at Demi Lovato to see if she was doing a tour. Um, she is, but not here. Only in America. Yeah. I know. I know. Because I, I was meant to go and see her. Uh, I think it was my second year I, of uni. I saw her. Yeah, but I it was the day before my last exam, and so stupid like classic Hannah. Me, classic Hannah. <laughs> I can't possibly yeah, go because I got the exam this day. Probably would have been the best thing to do actually to let yeah, my hair down. Yeah, definitely. Oh well, live and learn, Han. Um, I will. I will see her one day. 
we'll have to go together. My we'll go together. Yes. You're dying, which I did actually. I hope you're not dying. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's true. I mean, like before I'm dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I said to Ben yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, like the, the two people on my list now are my chemical romance and Demi Lovato. And he was like, oh, well, we can keep our eyes peeled. And I was like, I'm not going to see Demi Lovato with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Jake had to come with me to see Demi. Oh, no. Yeah, he like took me along. Oh. Oh wow! But did he appreciate it, or was I he like, he "Oh my did. god, what the hell? I, I think he had a nice time. I just ignored him, to be honest. I was just focusing on <laughs> on Demi. Oh, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> amazing. Well, and now that we've had our little uh, little giggle, nice little chat, um, we will continue to giggle through it. Oh god, yeah. Um, but I guess. I wondered if you wanted to, and I keep saying this when I start, I need to think of another phrase for when I start this, because I don't want to say give us an overview, because it makes me sound like I'm like, oh, you know, just, come on, say it quickly. Um, But yeah, your experience of your eating disorder. Um, Okay, so I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was 16. Um, It was picked up on quite quickly because I was already under cams for like other mental health stuff um it kind of started when I so I started in year 12 so I just started sick form and I just felt that the kind of jump from like normal school to sick form was quite big and all of a sudden they were like you're adults now even though we were 16 they're like you're adults you can have all this you can you know it's a lot of like self-directed study you have free periods and I was like I do not like this at all like I just feel like mm. I wasn't ready I don't know it was just a big a big shock so yeah I just started kind of controlling my food because I felt like my school life was all of a sudden not as controlled and structured as I liked um so yeah I struggled until kind of I was 18 really um I really wanted to go to uni so that was like my main reason to kind of recover um and yeah so I went off to uni and until two years ago I was like living life anorexia free like I was I would say like I was 100% recovered from anorexia like it wasn't a part of my life at all um and then lovely Covid hit um in 2020 and yeah again it was all about the control um you know we went into lockdown everything was basically taken from us so like yeah I went back to kind of controlling my food um and yeah that was the start of my like first ever relapse with my anorexia um yeah that's that's like (laughs) (laughs) just kind of going back to like the first I guess what, what would you call it like my, I don't know first. is it an ep- like episode I, d- I don't know if I'd call it an I don't episode know what, I don't know what no I don't know what it's called um, the, let's, the, the first, first the, the first time I guess like the first time yeah. <laughs> yeah um when you went like to cams and you got support for for the anorexia I mean what did that entail for you um so I was already kind of having CBT based treatment um I well when I say that I didn't really get on with CBT um so I think I was kind of having individual therapy really um and then when I started struggling with anorexia I was referred to the eating disorder clinic which I would see a pediatrician um and they do like my weight my like blood pressure all of that the physical side of stuff and look at meal plans um, there was a dietitian there as well, but I think I only saw her once. Um, it was more the paediatrician that I would see. And I can't remember how often I would go there, maybe every six weeks or every two mm. months. I can't really remember because I know um, my CAMS team were doing my weight as well. Um, so, yeah, I would see a nurse in CAMS, then I would have reviews with one of their psychiatrists and yeah eating disorder treatment team and I think I my GP was like monitoring my bloods as well um Mm. but yeah I had a like an amazing CAMS team um which I 
I'm really lucky to have had because I know lots of people didn't have good experience with CAM. So yeah, I was definitely really lucky in having such a supportive CAMS team who kind of took, like, I guess, took me seriously and didn't kind of wait for my BMI to be like really low or didn't say like, oh, we'll wait just and see how it goes. They, yeah, they kind of were on it straight away, which, yeah, as we know, like early intervention is so important. And mm. so I imagine the fact that we kind of went straight into kind of anorexia treatment and doing work around that I imagine that kind of definitely helped um my recovery and stopped me from getting even more unwell at the time um yeah do you think part of that was because you were kind of like already in the system yeah with for other things that yeah. you then got seen yeah definitely because obviously I was going to cams weekly so I would kind of kind of speak about kind of all this stuff that was going on with food and my thoughts around food um so yeah it definitely helped speed things up like straight away I was referred to the eating disorder clinic but I imagine if I hadn't already been under cams it probably would have been you know a longer wait um because I would have had to be referred and then wait to kind of get an assessment and all of that kind of stuff so I obviously I guess in a way it was kind of lucky that I was already under cams because I didn't there wasn't any waiting time um yeah at all because I was already under the the team so that's really good though that they had that sort of awareness of other conditions because I've heard quite a lot of people say you know like I was having treatment for this yeah and then I started to display the symptoms for it but it wasn't picked up because it wasn't there yeah so that's you know I mean that's yeah like what you'd expect services to yeah 100 um, like they were all over it um mm. which again is I think I was just really really lucky because yeah I had friends from school who were kind of under the same cams team as me and they weren't having as good as an experience that I was so I yeah I think I was just really lucky to have had such an incredible nurse um and a psychiatrist that I'd known prior to when my yeah. anorexia kind of developed I guess yeah and I think that's a massive thing as well is like the relationship you do have with your team because I mean I remember I think you know we were both under cams at yeah. a pretty similar time um and I don't know whether you remember I, yeah, my team yeah it was not as good <laughs> but, but they weren't they weren't as good yeah uh, as what you're describing yeah. and um so yeah I think like you say it massively depends on who you have and 100%. not maybe not even kind of their knowledge and stuff but it's that relationship that you build with them because I just had a terrible relationship yeah. so anything they said for me to do you I didn't want to do it because I we're, we're like children so if you don't have mm -hmm. a good relationship with whoever you're working with you are just going to do the opposite of what they say or be like or, yeah. or not listen to them because yeah we're like teenagers we're in our like phase where we yeah. hate adults so yeah absolutely yeah and I think for me well it's like anorexia was something to control and to be good at it was also my rebellious mm -hmm. time because I'd been such a perfect child yeah. and you know done everything perfectly and that was my time to be like yeah absolutely <laughs> not yeah 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 no 100% it yeah. does matter whether you're not whether or not you have a good relationship that makes such a difference mm -hmm. in how you kind of um I don't know the word I'm looking for but how well your treatment will work and how effective it will be I guess yeah. um, massively kind of does depend on having a good relationship with um your practitioner that you're working with yeah well I think ultimately it comes down to the person that's in treatment like you know obviously a massive part of it is the clinician yeah. but um you have to want to do it exactly well, which, yeah you know, that makes difficult. so when you were talking about um kind of I guess the period in between the first time and then now um you said that you felt like you were fully recovered yeah. so what what kind of how would like what would you describe as fully recovered how did that feel um I was just kind of able to like just had freedom around food like I never looked at the calories on food obviously sometimes I would mm. kind of like see it because it's right there on the food but I would never go out of my way to look I could eat when I want where I wanted didn't matter who was there um 
yeah I had issues around body image but I was able to kind of manage that really well by just making a few changes to my diet going to the gym having a healthy mm. relationship with exercise um didn't feel guilty really for eating ever um like everything that you have with anorexia I guess just wasn't there mm. um I never woke up and thought today I'm going to restrict or I never had those mm. those thoughts of oh well I've had this so I can't have this like it was yeah I was just completely free with food and I think a lot of people who have anorexia and other eating disorders they think yeah I'll recover but it's always going to be there and like it just wasn't there and I think that's mm. what I want to get across to people is that you can have a life completely free from your eating disorder I think people always think yes I'll be recovered but it's always going to be in the back of my mind but it just wasn't and yeah you can get mm. to a place where you are completely free from your eating disorder um and yeah that was my life for like five at least five years um yeah and when things kind of changed for you was it like instantly one day you woke up and thought I know what I need to do to feel in control again or did it feel like something quite progressive I think it was a little bit progressive so it definitely kind of all went downhill when lockdown and Covid really hit but I think I was having um, a few thoughts kind of prior to that so we went into lockdown in March 2020 and I think in February I was starting to struggle a little bit because well I'm a mental health nurse um, so I was at work and we had a patient who definitely had an eating disorder um, and that was the first time that I had ever felt triggered by a patient I guess in in regards to my eating disorder um, so that was quite hard um, because um, eating disorders is so specialist we don't in my job we don't see a lot of eating disorders so I think for me it was a bit of a shock um, and I did find it quite difficult because anorexia is so competitive so I was a little bit like oh maybe I need to do this because she's doing this um, which I'd never felt before and I imagine if we didn't go into lockdown I kind of would have been able to manage it and talk to work and say this is a little bit difficult and I did yeah I did talk to work kind of as soon as I noticed these things and they were really supportive but I imagine if we didn't go into lockdown I probably would have kind of been able to just kind of sail through and mm. not actually act on kind of eating disorder behaviours um, but yeah it was when lockdown hit I think I was like okay this is really not like I don't know what I'm supposed to do now I, I can't go out I can't see my friends everything that I enjoy doing I can't do so I now need to take back some control and yeah again that kind of came from controlling my food intake um, so yeah it kind of all went from there really um yeah I know that this like I'm gonna ask this question and I as I'm saying it I'm like really that obvious or easy Hannah um but I'm just gonna ask you it anyway because I think it'd be interesting to explore so obviously like you know and then you said Covid hit and you started to have that feeling of I want to kind of control things a bit and these and sort of seemed quite enticing but obviously knowing that you have been had been living kind of freely without an eating disorder did that thought cross your mind in terms of you know life is actually better now I don't want to go back or did it seem like the eating disorder would was the better option oh, I yeah it did just feel like the eating disorder was the better option I think I wasn't in a way it was almost like I was being naive about it and it was like oh I'll just kind of start controlling my food but it's it's only a little bit so it's not that bad you know how that's how anorexia really draws you in is, is to just say just do a little bit and that's enough and you don't need to do any more so I think yeah I don't even think I thought of the thought of becoming unwell again didn't cross my mind because I just thought oh, I'm just going to control it 
control my food, maybe lose a little bit of weight and then I'll see then I'll see what I want to do. Um and yeah, it just felt a lot stronger than kind of I yeah, it just my anorexia just felt a lot stronger and I thought I'm going to listen to this and it didn't I didn't I don't think I once thought, well, this could ruin my life. Yeah, I guess yeah, it was I was just a little bit it made me a little bit naive, I guess. I didn't think about the consequences that it could have. Um, I just felt like I needed some control because everything was taken away from us and obviously I didn't I didn't appreciate that. So um just went straight back to revolving everything around food and control again. So has there or like did there come a point where you thought I don't want to be doing this anymore? Or is it still kind of um, this is the right thing I to mean, be doing? As soon as I it's it's a weird one because as soon as I noticed that I, I was relapsing, I reached out to my GP straight away. So I guess part of me was like this this isn't what I should be doing and I'm gonna need some support here. So yeah, straight away I went back to my GP and again was very lucky with how supportive my GP was um they straight away referred me to the eating disorder team they again took me seriously they didn't say oh well your BMI's fine so we don't need to worry yet like straight away there was no hesitation from them mm. um so I guess yeah a part of me did know that what I was doing wasn't right I, yeah it wasn't right or so it's hard because yeah I wanted that control but again I knew that I that wasn't the best way to deal with it and I knew that okay I'm probably mm -hmm. going to need a little bit of support here um yeah and it was quite scary I guess because when the first time I became unwell I was 16 I was living at home I yeah I wasn't an adult so it was quite scary to have to navigate like as an adult and take a little bit of mm. I guess ownership over it um so I was kind of learning how to navigate life as an adult with an eating disorder which yeah mm. was something I yeah because I guess I never thought when I was really like doing really well I did think I'm never gonna have anorexia again like I never I guess none of us saw this pandemic coming so Mm. Um, it was yeah strange to have to navigate life as an adult with an eating disorder. Life as a life in the pandemic. Um, I'm I'm a nurse, so I was still working throughout the pandemic. So it was just like a lot of different things that I was trying to navigate. And I guess yeah, I did recognise really quickly that I needed help. And I I guess probably because of my job, that probably helped me to reach out quickly. Um, I I'm not sure if maybe I wasn't because of my experiences with my mental health I do have good insight and because of my job that also helps me kind of look at my own mental health so I guess my job helped me with that I honestly I don't know if I if I wasn't a nurse would I have reached out as quickly as I did like I'm not I'm not sure um yeah it, it was a, it was yeah it was hard yeah. I want to come back to your job in a bit in terms of, you know, the, the knowledge that you have and yeah. why you kind of reached out. But I'm just really interested, um, you know, what you were saying about like the additional pressures of being an adult and work and stuff like that, because I've had quite a few people um, message me on the podcast to say, like, can you talk about eating disorders in adults rather than teenagers? Because yeah. a lot of people that we've had on have had personal experiences. They had an eating disorder when they were in their teenage years yeah. and, and now they're recovered. Um, what I mean, you obviously said about, like, having work and stuff, but did you notice any other differences, maybe in, like, the behaviours or anything that you noticed from being an adult to being a teenager? Um, not straight away. Um, I think obviously kind of as we know um a lot of the time eating disorders become worse over time and more restrictive and behaviors get worse mm -hmm. as time goes on so I think 
when I first started relapsing, it, it was quite similar to when I was younger. But I guess in a way, the only kind of difference I noticed was was that I I could do what I want, like, and I didn't have someone. I didn't like. I didn't have. Like, I used to have my mum telling me, "You need to do this. You need to do this." But I didn't. Like, I didn't have that because I'm a grown up. So where like I lived, I did. I was living with my boyfriend at the time, and obviously he would kind of try and encourage me as much as he could. But at the end of the day, I had full control over what I wanted to do and. I could buy whatever food I wanted, whereas a lot of the time my mum was getting my food and all of that kind of stuff. So it 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 was different in the sense that I had a lot, lot more control over my eating disorder behaviours and what I was eating or what I wasn't eating. And definitely as an adult, for me personally, my anorexia has been worse this time around than when I was younger. And I think that is because, uh, yeah, I live independently. I can make my own choices. No one's here to take that from me. Whereas when you're a teenager, you do have parents who are there to kind of, like, I guess, well, Cam's would say to parents, like, you need to take kind of more control. Whereas, yeah, I don't have anyone to do that for me now. I'm an adult. So it's definitely been harder and my behaviours have been a lot worse than they were when... I was younger mm. and that was kind of the thing that I was expecting you to say because you know I remember um for, for me personally like when things you know started to get bad then like you say my mum just completely took over and did the shopping I didn't go shopping because it was too stressful yeah. for me to go she did the cooking I wasn't allowed in the kitchen we all sat down and had meals together I was obviously I think even if you're living with a partner, I don't know, I, it's obviously a lot to put on parents, but I think, you know, asking a partner to be that person that has to go shopping, has to yeah. do the cooking, you know, that that's a lot. It's a lot. Um, you don't want to put a parenting role onto them because they mm-hmm. aren't, they're not a parent. They're like, there's obviously a massive difference between a, a partner and a parent. Um, mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it feels like more of an ask to expect that that from them yeah and and how did you kind of how have you navigated that have you know does do you kind of have any responsibilities that you put on your partner or is it just like I'm I'm doing this um I'm in control me and him aren't living together anymore but he obviously comes over quite a lot in the week and usually kind of when he's on his way back from work he'll go to the shop and kind of get stuff for dinner and I, mm-hmm. I do find it easier and I've told him this I do find it easier for him to just say why don't like let's have this for dinner and kind of take mm-hmm. that that choice away from me a little bit um so I guess I find it really helpful that he does that because sometimes I quite like going to the shop with him but sometimes you know it can be really stressful and I don't want to get Kind of too bogged down in the supermarket and getting to kind of an argument or bickering over what like what food we should get um so i really appreciate that he has taken on that responsibility he also does the cooking um he will ask me if i would like to help sometimes but i usually say no one because i'm lazy and i <laughs> like someone else to cook for me but also i feel like if I spend too much time in the kitchen cooking then again I don't want it to become kind of a tense situation because he really enjoys cooking so I don't want to make it tense for him or again get into arguments or scrutinize kind of what he's doing or tell him that he can't put I don't know however much of a certain ingredient in um mm. so that is a lot easier when he just kind of when he just does it and I just let him get yeah. on with it. Um, but another thing that is quite hard is, so I live with um, one of my friends and she has kind of spoken about how she can support me. And I've said to her, 
I will come to you like when I'm ready for you to intervene a little bit more because again I don't want those boundaries to be crossed where she has to feel like she looks after me she's also a mental health nurse so I don't want her to feel like she's basically at work when she's at home um, when she's trying to support me because at the minute where I am right now I'm not necessarily in a place where I'm ready to fully commit to my recovery like a hundred percent and go all in so I don't want her to kind of give me little pushes because again it could become tense and I want our home environment to be like a like a safe space for both of us so I think that's quite hard for her because she's watching me kind of live with anorexia and she feels like she I guess she probably feels maybe a little bit helpless because I'm saying to her no like Mm. I don't want you to intervene too much yet because I don't want it to become tense and I don't want you know like screaming matches over food which I know it would never get to that point because we both are aware of these boundaries that we need to have with each other because we're just friends we're not in a relationship she's not my mum she's not my dad um so I guess that is quite hard because I guess at meal times, even though she's not telling me what I should or shouldn't do, I guess it is it does just automatically become a little bit tense because she's watching me act on like eating disorder behaviours, but she can't say anything and it's like I'm aware that she's aware of what I'm doing. So it's kind of like it's like the elephant in the room, I guess. Um yeah. when it comes to meal times at home when it's with her. Um so yeah that's kind of been a bit strange to have to navigate but yeah I know she's there for when I'm ready for her to be there a lot more um which I obviously massively appreciate and feel very lucky to have to live with someone who actually does have quite good knowledge of eating disorders as well Mm. um yeah so yeah (laughs) yeah I think that's um that's a really like interesting thing to talk about and I don't it's not something that we've kind of spoken about on the podcast before we've kind of had you know sibling support or parents support, partner support but actually I can imagine you know living like you say with a friend that has an eating disorder I would say that's probably you know a common thing as well um and I think it's you know it's really important what you were saying about you know how your friend has said I'm here when you're ready um or that's what you've asked for because it's like we were saying before in terms of like the clinician support and stuff unless you as the individual with the eating disorder want to actually get better I think like you say you're you know the person that wants to support you is only going to end up tearing their hair yeah a hundred percent and I think we're both aware of that which is yeah really important I mean, and that's yeah, yeah great that you know she's she's got that sort of um knowledge sort of from being a mental health nurse um I guess I'm just thinking you said about like being there to support when you're ready and sort of it's the elephant in the room but do you think there's anything if people are listening and they're because I can imagine like you say it's it's a really difficult place to be because you want to support but you're not you're not a parent you're not a partner so it's like that sort of like element of having that conversation is difficult but best friends are best friends and you talk about stuff so is there anything you sort of think that's really important to mention that someone could do to maybe feel like they're doing a a little bit of something but not pushing someone in a direction that is going to cause arguments I guess um kind of what she does um she doesn't do it all the time um and I don't know if she's done it for a while because she knows what my answer is going to be is that when she's cooking she would just be like I'm having this for dinner um if you want if there's there's more for you like there's more if you want to join me and just kind of I guess in a way it's planting a seed in my head but not saying come on like I'm making this I'm gonna plate you up some and it's not it doesn't feel pushy it's just I guess offering um and just Kind of, and she'll kind of remind me that if I ever want to eat with her, that's absolutely fine. Um, and that she's there to support me if I do choose to eat with her. Um, so I guess kind of just softly 
giving people that reminder that even though they're not ready they might not be ready to do these things but just kind of gently suggesting sometimes which I find really helpful um and say like if I have eaten something and I'm feeling guilty she just always tells me that it's like it's okay to eat that and it doesn't like it doesn't matter like if I doesn't matter if I've eaten I don't know some chocolate because chocolate's really good and chocolate makes you happy and it shouldn't be seen as a bad thing um just her attitude towards food is really positive um and just being around that and living with someone who has that attitude toward towards food has been really helpful so if people want to support someone with an eating disorder I guess always try and have a really positive attitude towards food and don't class food as bad um, because at the end of the day no food is bad like anything that is going to not like nourish your body is good food like all food is good food um and I think yeah living with someone who has that attitude and it's the same with my boyfriend um that's just really helpful there's never any kind of talk of diet culture or anything and just yeah just having people around you who have a good relationship with food is is so helpful and unfortunately not everyone's relationship with food is is like that but if if you want to support someone with an eating disorder just try and have that mindset towards food because as much as we people with eating disorders don't want to kind of admit it but we are watching what everyone else is doing when it comes to what you're eating or when you're talking about food we it's like we're we're super sensitive towards that so I guess just yeah just try and be as positive as you can like when it comes to food because just being around that is always so helpful even if the person with the eating disorder isn't ready to kind of make huge changes it's just yeah it's just helpful to have that I think like you said about um when you said about asking you know I'm or saying I'm, I'm having this for dinner and there's more if you want you if you want to have it as well that's almost a planting the seed and I think kind of having people in your life with that have a, a good or you know I want to say good but <laughs> all these words just don't seem to fit but like a a, a neutral I yeah. guess, relationship yeah. with food um I think that as the person with the eating disorder is also something to just be aware of is you know if you are gonna speak to people and, and seek out support try and do it with people that have a neutral relationship yeah, with food definitely. because I know it's I think it's a very attractive thing when you have an eating disorder to find more people that have an eating yeah. disorder and sit in a little circle <laughs> yeah. and, and chant and I hate food <laughs> <laughs> yeah but actually having those people that can like model a, a good yeah. relationship a neutral relationship with food um I think is you know, it's I so would say helpful. that's like one of the it's most just important helpful to things. be around, even if you're not committing to recovery in that exact moment. It's yeah. just, it's yeah, they are the best people for you to be around. Um, yeah, if you're struggling with food. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a a, a really kind of important thing to highlight. Um, so in terms of, oh no, there was something I wanted to ask before we go on to your job. And this is going to sound like a really blunt question, but I'm going to ask it. So if you've recovered before and so you've got kind of the tricks in your bag to do it, yeah. why do you think you're not doing it now? Um, I guess anorexia is just a very hard thing to let go of. Um, I know lots of people talk about how like how anorexia I guess is a friend to them um and it's just become as sad as it sounds like it has just become like my life and I am I'm two years kind of into this like relapse um and it's hard to just 
yeah break those habits or change your mindset when you have been doing something for so long and I also um lost one of my closest friends to suicide at the end of September so uh, even though my grief and anorexia are not directly linked I know that I have definitely used my anorexia as a way to deal with or not deal with my grief because anorexia really numbs your emotions and in a way it just feels easier to just keep going on like this rather than having to actually process and deal with what what happened um so that has definitely been holding me back um because I am scared that you know once you start eating again and you start to feel your body properly you are going to get all of these emotions that have been suppressed over time so I guess for me right now um probably the grief thing is is the main thing kind of keeping me from fully committing to recovery and then I guess I guess like all of the normal things um weight gain and having to deal like having to process like you know I guess when you're in recovery or going through recovery you are constantly fighting your brain because you're eating you're following a meal plan or whatever and you're then having after every single meal or snack you're having to deal with the thoughts and the guilt and I guess that again is also holding me back a little bit but I would say it has mainly been the grief that's kind of kept me kept anorexia like really prevalent in my life I think and and please know when I asked that question I was not just like like, what what are you playing at but, but the reason I wanted to ask it was because I think you know for people that don't understand eating disorders I think you know it's it's a stigma of like well why can't you just recover like just eat your food and you'll be fine again yeah 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 um but you know as you sort of showed there there's 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 so many things other than you know with anorexia but weight loss you know like you said it it numbs things it's it acts as a distraction yeah it is it's it has such a big role to play and I think I definitely um because I I think it was maybe last year or the year before I can't remember but I had about about a six month period where I would say I reached like full recovery Mm -hmm. and um you know feeling very free and stuff like that and then I slipped back into old habits and my therapist kept being like you know you you've done it before you know what it feels like but it's almost when you're in in with the eating sort of behaviors because they provide that protection it's actually it feels like well I feel protected right now so even though I was super happy and I was free and everything yeah I I didn't I I didn't need to be protected at that time exactly and it's it I guess it in a way it just makes you feel like it does make you feel safe and it's like why would I why would I want to leave this like this safe space Mm. that I'm in and have to actually deal with the realities of like life um when I feel yeah safe and protected by my anorexia and again it's just it's also it's hard because I am I do like I do think I'm very insightful into my my own mental health and it's almost like I know that my like I know that I'm being lied to by my anorexia but that doesn't change the fact that I feel safe with it and it feels like I need it even though I know that everything my brain is telling me is a lie so it's really hard because I can look at it from like if I put my nurse hat on I can be like you know that what what you're doing isn't right or it's like you could have a better life but also then it's like my anorexia is like no like we we're gonna be together forever and you'll be happy with me forever so it's hard because I can see both sides to it which I guess not everyone might have um, I um I think I said this I think it will be last week when this podcast comes out but um I was saying saying about this as well it's almost when you work in the realm of mental health um I think it's such a fascinating situation to be in because you know that what you're doing 
short term might make you feel slightly yeah. better it probably doesn't even make you feel better because yeah you know being in the depth of eating disorder yeah. even though you feel safe you don't feel safe um but actually i always i find it so interesting um in my head when like you know i have so many reasons as to why i shouldn't be doing this and if it was anybody else i would be saying you know you need yeah. to recover from this yeah but just somehow the eating sort of in my head comes up with an excuse yeah or has like some answer to every so single sneaky. thing I throw at it's it. so sneaky mm-hmm. or it, yeah it has an answer to everything when you're arguing with it <laughs> it's like it, yeah. it, it can win every argument <laughs> yeah just this one time just do it just yeah. just this one time yeah. and it'll, it'll be fine yeah um so in terms of your job um and then we've just said that actually possibly it's making it slightly harder um but you said earlier that kind of your job really helped to recognize things and get support yeah. so why do you think that was um i think i probably just looked at my situation from an outsider perspective and thought and thought to myself if this was anyone else i would straight away be like reach out get support because that's what people should do like this is what i would tell even not as like if one of my friends or whatever said i'm starting to relapse with so and so straight away you do just think reach out reach out and i think because of my job as a nurse i'm and I know how effective early intervention is, I thought, hang on a minute, even though my brain is telling me, no, you're not sick enough to deserve help yet, I just was able, I was able to quickly shut that off and think, okay, let me just get in contact with my GP. Um, And yeah, I guess that early intervention thing and kind of looking at at it from a perspective of what would I tell a patient or a service user? to do and if they were in the same situation as me um so I think that's kind of how I was able to reach out so early um whereas I know for a lot of people they might not have had the tools to kind of be able to look at it from that perspective Mm. um yeah I guess I just put my professional hat on and yeah (laughs) do you think I don't know this is so easy to be like well, if they'd have seen you then, you'd be fine. Uh, and obviously, there's no way of knowing. But do you think if... Because obviously, you did you did exactly what we're told to do. You know, yeah. We speak about this all the time. If you notice the signs, go to your GP and then you'll get support. But it's then yeah. afterwards that it seems to be falling apart. Yeah. Do you think if you'd have got the support when you went for it, that things would be different? I mean, I'm sure things would be different. I don't know why I'm even asking this question. <laughs> um no (laughs) no 100% I do think that I probably wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in now um I don't imagine obviously it was never going to be an easy ride I do think that things would have got quite bad even if I got the support when I asked for it um just because of the headspace I was in, it was like, yeah, I want support, but I want support whilst I still act on my eating disorder. Like, um, so I'm not, yeah, I do think it would have been different, but I do also think that things still would have gotten quite bad um, just because of the headspace that I was in at that time. Um, But yeah, here we are two years later and I'm still waiting for treatment um but like that's just the system unfortunately um yeah that's quite an interesting thing you just said though because obviously we were talking earlier when we were talking about like friends and stuff that you have to be ready so I guess what do you think what do you think about this so like you know obviously somebody might go to the GP like you did but not actually want to get better. So what would you, in that situation, what do you think a clinician should be doing? Because you can't force somebody. And if, you know, if two years later, you still kind of are unsure. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, for me, it's 
just having that space where I can actually talk about what's going on in my head and just having someone who is actually there like obviously my friends and family are happy to sit and listen to me but it's it is very personal and it's hard to kind of let people close to you know how tough things are or like what your specific behaviors are and I think for me just having a professional that is there to listen to me and kind of help me work through what's going on um I think if yeah if you're a clinician like yes you you can't force someone into recovery but again like my flatmate you can still plant the seeds or for me I'm waiting for um mantra treatment so I have my mantra workbook so my psychologist is just saying just work through like start working through it because you're then facing your eating disorder head on I guess if you're having to do like exercises um that are making you sit and think about your eating disorder so for me one that I have found quite helpful is um it's looking so what would your life look like in five years if you still had anorexia or and what would your life look like in five years if you didn't have anorexia and I think just being able to think about it in that way is really helpful so I guess just giving people exercises like that um for me is really helpful yes I'm not fully committing to recovery but it does just help you to think about what your life could look like without the eating disorder um and that yeah that's really helpful that was something actually I used to do at every single meal um was because I think what you know when you have food or whatever it's such like a short-term thing and you're yeah. like oh I don't need I can just cut this out for this one because it doesn't matter because it's just this meal yeah but then that every single like mouthful basically is a step closer to yeah. recovery so I used to just be like okay so if I don't have that right now what's the impact going to be yeah. in you know five years time yeah and it's, it seems like a really like a dramatic thing but that really helped shift my mindset into like yeah. I have to do this now because yeah. cause, you know it is going to have consequences like yeah. whether that's mentally or physically um acting on your eating disorder is going to have consequences and mm-hmm. yeah sometimes sitting and actually thinking about what those consequences could be long term or short term it is yeah it's definitely always been really helpful for me to think about it in that way something else I wanted to ask you was um when you had the patient that um like you recognized they had an eating disorder mm-hmm. um I've got two questions actually I'll go with the first one first was that you that recognized it because of your personal experience or did the team themselves recognize those things? um oh I can't really remember I remember I was a lot more concerned about it than everyone else but I also think because her weight was quite low and her bloods were a bit all over the place that's what made people the team kind of look at it more and think okay this is an issue however there wasn't really anything that was done um Yeah, she wasn't put on a meal plan. I don't think she was referred to an eating disorder team. Um, I, yeah, I don't think, I think in a way it was kind of ignored, um, which sounds, it's really sad to think about because she was literally on a mental health ward and we were just kind of ignoring it. And it happened with another patient. Um, I can literally remember this patient was with us for quite a long time she wasn't eating like at all um and I remember saying to one of the junior doctors like this is something we need to be aware of and the doctor just went oh well I'm not too worried because her BMI is not underweight and I'm like like that that shouldn't matter like eating disorders and mental illnesses it's like not a feeding disorder it's so yeah and it was like it just was we just let her not eat for months because her weight was fine and yeah and I was kind of 
I just wasn't being listened to, I guess, by the doctors. And I don't know if other nurses, well, yeah, they probably did notice it. But again, they probably felt they weren't equipped to deal with it. Um, so it was just, we were, yeah, she was just allowed to kind of get away with what she was doing. And yeah, like it, it's, yeah, it's just not, it's not, it's not okay. But um, I'm one person in a team of however, however many people. And if they don't want to listen or they don't want to address it, then yeah, I just felt quite helpless in what I was saying. I just find, I find that so shocking because like, if you, you know, if you're pregnant and you go to the doctor and you're, you know, maybe you're struggling to eat, not an eating disorder, you're just struggling to eat because of morning sickness or the symptoms of the pregnancy, um, or, you know, your your weight isn't increasing how it should be or whatever. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be concerned about the health of the baby. So I find it shocking that, you know, on a, a literal mother and baby yeah. mental health unit, I mean, I guess it's because she wasn't pregnant. She'd already had babies. So oh. Most, a lot of the time. So actually, we have had a woman before that had anorexia who was pregnant. And I think the team did manage that really well. But again, it was kind of coming okay. more from the eating disorder team. She was having meal support. Um, I don't know how much. Because of my own issues, I kind of didn't do too much direct work. Um, with her but I don't know how much work we did around her eating disorder it was more, the work we were focusing on was more around um, the bond that she had with the like unborn baby um, but because again she had that diagnosis and we had a plan we managed it well but when like these other two um, women that I've spoken about because there wasn't a plan it was kind of just like swept under mm. the carpet um so, yeah, but I imagine if these women were pregnant, I imagine it probably would have been dealt with differently because of baby. So but it, sh- it shouldn't matter whether or not a woman is pregnant. It, it, it shouldn't, but, no. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not okay. Especially, like, being in a mental health environment because, you know, I'm sure a lot of mums that have, babies you know the postnatal period I imagine could be a real challenge so I would say that's a you know a time where eating sort of symptoms could develop whereas if if they're not you know if they're just at home and no one's checking in on them I'd imagine that gets swept into the carpet but actually like people seeing that you're not eating the food you're being provided is shocking I know yeah it's yeah it makes me really sad um but I mean at uni we got no training on eating disorders and we unless we wanted to do a she's crazy for a mental health nurse i know but unless we wanted to do an eating disorder placement you we didn't get any experience with eating disorders Mm -hmm. because again it's very specialized so the services it's a special service so you don't see eating disorders on kind of general acute wards um because yeah you have like a community mental health team and an eating disorder service and they will kind of work together but in the trust that I was training in they don't have an eating disorder service so even if I wanted to do an eating disorder placement it might not have been available for me to do one Um, and yeah I have had to educate a lot of my colleagues on eating disorders just because they've come to me and like one of the nurses that I'm quite close with she has said like she's been really open with me and said like I just don't know anything like and I'm asking you these questions because I want to know and I want to try Mm. and learn but also it's hard for people to because I guess people they they say to you oh how do you do that because when I'm hungry I'm hungry so again even if I am explaining it to them they can't actually comprehend it in their own head because they think when I'm hungry I eat so even though I'm explaining it it's not always getting through and I can only I'm not an eating disorder specialist I am not equipped to like train other people so I can only educate as much as I can from just my own 
um, experience. Which with. is wrong in itself. Yeah. For, for them to be relying on yeah. one individual who has an eating yeah. disorder to teach them about eating yeah. disorders. Yeah. And I, well, I guess when I'm in a better place and I'm back at work, um, I would like to try and get some training facilitated. Mm. Um, and I did try. Um, I was going to get Hope Virgo to do a kind of, talk with the team but my manager kind of wanted it to be more perinatal focused which I get because we work in a perinatal service but also eating disorders aren't only a perinatal thing and we're not going to learn if we're only Mm going to look at it from a perinatal perspective um you should speak to you know the podcast I did before with Abby Reynolds yeah from Wednesday's Child she does a lot of training okay and she she is like the perinatal lead at Wednesday's Child. Okay, so, to, yeah, when um, I'm back at work, I'm definitely going to try and get some training yeah. um, sorted um, because, I yeah, I don't think you should want to work in eating disorders to have a, have knowledge of eating disorders. I think like no. how we learn about um, psychosis or bipolar at, u- at uni and at, at work, um, I think it should be the same with eating disorders because, yeah, you never know when it's going to, up and then we're even I as a professional I'm not equipped to work with someone who has an eating disorder because I've yeah. not been trained in it and we haven't had education around it at all um, which is disappointing yeah it's um we had um this hasn't been published yet but I did a podcast a few weeks ago um with a lady who worked in A&E and she was she was now on like the the board of people that wrote need um and she said that she does training and she and she just wants to get into every single department in the hospital to do training because fundamentally anybody can be the person to pick up on an eating disorder yeah. um so like you said it, it shouldn't be that you have to go and do an eating disorders you know yeah like masters or yeah. whatever to be able to work in eating disorders exactly. you should have the knowledge of it um as mental health professionals you think we'd at least have a basic knowledge of eating disorders but yeah. we we don't um and it's a sh- it's a massive shame um yeah yeah i thought it's like when people say about gps only having two hours of training i'm like yes it's rubbish like it should yeah. be that way but they do have to know about every single thing about yeah them. literally so, you know but a mental health yes yeah. from we, not knowing anything having no training on a mental health yeah. condition seems it's yeah, it's crazy um but yeah i mean <laughs> it is what it is and i can only try and change that in the environment that i work in right now um yeah. but it is something that i would like to do and i will kind of go back to and speak to my manager about when i'm back at work because mm even though work has been incredibly supportive. I'm so lucky, my manager's amazing, my supervisor's been amazing, all the girls I'm friends with are amazing, but pretty much the majority of them have kind of said, yeah, I I don't know anything about eating disorders. And my supervisor said, I only know about eating disorders, like about anorexia because I am your supervisor, Um, which, yeah, it's just, it's, quite scary um so yeah I I don't yeah I mean I'm just gonna say obviously change is amazing just focus on you first no 100 percent. yeah I'm I'm not (laughs) gonna try and change the whole ward whilst (laughs) I can hardly live my own life properly but when put myself first yeah when I'm in a better place it is something I do feel quite passionate about doing um and yeah we'll definitely which I think is amazing you know if you can use your experience to do good then I think that's absolutely fantastic my experience is why I became a mental health nurse so Hmm. why would I kind of stop there just because I'm a mental health nurse now doesn't mean yeah. that changes still can't be made so yeah one day <laughs> well one day yes you have got so much time and I'm sure you will do absolutely incredible things um because I think people that do have lived experience have so much passion for this sort of thing yeah definitely um 
but I definitely after my experience over the last year or so I'm just like let's focus on us first yeah, yeah. and then then we can change the yeah. world when, when yeah. we're ready <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah well, thank you so much, Maddie. It's been so lovely to chat oh, with you. Thank you and for I, the me. time just absolutely ran away with us. I know. I I it's been like it over an hour. Like, an hour. Oh my God, I've got so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get you back. 100%. Anytime. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. When you're uh, when you're when you're doing your mantra and it's going on well, you yes. can uh, have an update on how that's going. Yes, that'd be a really cool that. episode, actually. Talking about yeah. what like. Because we did mantra from yeah, the clinician's perspective, but from a patient perspective. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, when my treatment eventually starts, uh, <laughs> I'll let you know, Han. Yeah, please do. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.